I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Ah, it's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Shoes. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. What if everything changes around you and you don't change? You don't want it to change. You're just a cog in the wheel. I'm just a cog in the wheel. But times they change. And what if everything around you changes virtually overnight? 
you don't change, and now you are an outlaw, the bad guy, according to society. It's weird to think about, right? It's weird to think about the things you view as normal in your daily life all of a sudden possibly being things that are now against the law. And this is not out of the realm of possibility. Not at all. In fact, if you look at the history of the world, it is the rule. At some point, if your value system stays the same, you are going to go from lawbreaker to law follower and back again. The greatest American outlaw of all time, if you want to use the word greatest, for a man who was unquestionably a murderer. Don't listen to anybody who tells you otherwise. But the greatest American outlaw was, everybody knows it, Jesse James. Everybody knows the name Jesse James. He was the one who pioneered so much of this stuff. Well, him and his brother and the younger brothers will get to all that. He was the one future outlaws modeled themselves after. Remember our show on John Dillinger? Guess who he grew up reading about, wanting to be? Jesse James. And James is an interesting tale and in that he had a couple things going for him. One, he loved his mother. Two, He was a good-looking dude. You can see pictures of him to this day, and rest assured, that helps. If Jesse James looks like a gargoyle, Jesse James is never as famous as he is. The truth is this. Dudes, open up the newspaper and see Jesse James stole $20,000 from there, and they think, man, that's kind of cool. You know what? I want to be that guy. I want to look like that guy. Women go thumbing through the paper, look at that news article. Ooh, he's so dreamy. That would be scandalous, wouldn't it? Oh, my dad would be upset. I'm not trying to be mean. It's true. It's just the way we are. That helped. It helped that he had a good publicist. We'll get to that in a few. And it helped, really, that Jesse James appeared to be a victim of circumstances. I'm not calling him that because Jesse James made a lot of his own choices. However, when we go over the story of Jesse James today, I have a strong feeling you will end up the same way I did as I was digging more into this over the weekend of, man, I could easily see how that ended up being me. So much of the time, we, you and I, we talk about histories. Monsters, conquerors, battles, military things. And I can't put myself in that person's shoes. I mean, complete and other psychopaths. I couldn't imagine ever taking a city of 500,000 people and issuing an order that every man, woman, child, and animal be slaughtered in front of me. And their skulls stacked like a mountain. Like, there's nothing I can do. To put myself in those shoes. That's not relatable. All right, that, well, that's, there's something else going on. You and I, as we go through the story of Jesse James today, are going to find ourselves saying, ah, I can see it. 
I can see it. So let us begin wherever I want. <laughs> I was going to say let us begin at the beginning, but you know how, I, how that works. There is no beginning. How often do I tell you how much we love about history is it all blends together. One thing always leads to another. If you're doing an individual story on somebody, it's easy to know where to end it. It's when he dies. But to begin, who knows? Missouri. That's where our story takes place for the most part. Missouri. Pre-Civil War, Missouri was an interesting place in that it was a house divided, to put it mildly. A lot of the things you hear about the Civil War are overblown or generalizations about things like, you'll hear things like this. It was, it was, it was brother fighting against brother, neighbor fighting against neighbor. And most of the time that wasn't true at all. The people in the North, you're in New York, you're fighting for the Union. You generally don't have a brother down in Georgia fighting for the, for the, the South. That's not true. Um, but it didn't get invented out of nowhere because in Missouri, the states that were divided with themselves, it turned out to be true. You see, Missouri, the majority of the population was probably pl- pro-slavery. However, the government was heading towards union stuff. Now let's go to the James family briefly. James's mother, Jesse James's mother, Zerelda was her name. You don't need to worry about remembering that. Zerelda was her name. Married very early. I think the first time she got married, she was 16 years old. Marries an educated man, a, a minister, an educated man. When Jesse is only two, Jesse has an older brother, Frank. You know, he's got some other siblings. When Jesse's only two years old, his father announces that he's leaving. He's going out to California to spread the gospel around because this is gold rush time. As the story goes, two-year-old Jesse held on to his father and begged him not to go. Then watched his father get on his horse and ride away and never saw him again. Guy rode out to California, and these are tough times, as most times are, promptly dies of cholera in the first year. Now, you have a young widow, multiple children, and it turns out she had bigger fish to fry. He, you see, he goes out to California and dies. Zarelda's back home with all the kids, no income, and oh, it turns out hubby piled up some debts, and the debt collectors came coming and began auctioning off all their stuff. She had to beg relatives to give her the money to buy beds so the kids could continue to sleep under their home. They're now in a position of financial desperation, to put it mildly. So Zarelda does something that many women have done in the history of mankind, and it's not, it's not a small thing. It's really freaking impressive, and it does go to the showing. It shows the love of a mother. Zarelda picks an old, mean dude who very much wants to marry some hot young thing. I don't know. I've never seen a picture of her, but I'm assuming, you know, to him, 
as an old man and she was younger. I'm assuming she was a dime piece no matter what. He's old. He's mean. However, he's really well off. I have to feed my family. I have to feed my kids, so I'm going to marry him. And I don't want to dwell on icky stuff that's going to make you cringe this morning. But when you think about a scared young lady with kids to raise making the decision to marry somebody like that and all the things that come with it, that's impressive. That's impressive. That's not exactly a night with Don Juan. Hang on. Your biggest financial vulnerability in the world very well could be your home title. And you don't even know it. That's what's amazing. That's what's absolutely amazing. I look, I'm not blaming you. I didn't know about home title theft either until I found out the FBI was extremely concerned about it. And here's what happens. They take out a loan against your home and you're thinking, how could they do that? Your home title is online. They go online. They get it. They forge your signature on it, take a loan out against it. And guess who gets the payments? And guess who gets the foreclosure notice if you don't make the payments? You do. Your home insurance will not cover it. The only way to protect yourself from it is HomeTitleLock.com. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address, see if you're already a victim. While you're there, use the code JESSE, sign up. That gets you 30 free days of protection. Jesse Kelly returns next. Young Zerelda gets married again to an ugly human being, apparently, inside and out. And when I say ugly, I mean hated her children. She had to send them away to go live with someone else, but had to keep the marriage so she could have the money to feed them. It eventually gets really, really bad. And then... I hate to say this in case he was just a great guy and got some really bad press, but then by the grace of God, the dude dies, falls off his horse, breaks his neck. I know Chris, I, I, Chris, Chris gave me the air fingers quote thing. When I say falls off his horse and breaks his neck, I will tell you that was really the first thought I had. And I realized the first one died in California of cholera. And the second one fell off his horse, and there are, and let me clarify this, there are no, absolutely, I, I would have known, I, I've done a bunch of looking into this over the weekend, there's no indication at all that anybody ever suspected Zerelda of being involved. You are, however, like 10, and your first two husbands are dead already. It says, if I'm number three, I'm probably going to be sleeping with one eye open. Probably going to leave town a lot. Oh, oh honey. Got to leave town for work again. Anyway, 
she does marry again. And honestly, in all fairness, this one turns out to be awesome. Apparently, he was just a loving dude. Absolutely loved her. Loved her kids. Took everybody in. And now it's one big happy family, right? Everything's going to be fine. No. And I guess this is where our story really seems to take a turn. Because everything, it seems like, could have been fine. Except for this huge, huge thing called slavery in the Civil War is ripping the country apart. The South depended on slavery for their economy. Don't listen to anybody who tries to tell you otherwise. And don't listen to anybody who tries to insist they would have felt differently if they were a Southerner back then. That kind of justification, you don't know. I'll tell you, full disclosure, I've asked myself these questions before because I would like to think if I lived in Tennessee, 1840, and saw people being treated that way, I would like to think I would have been an anti-slavery crusader. I'm going to start the Underground Railroad, Jesse's Underground Railroad, and we're going to help escape slaves because these are these are equal in the eyes of God, and we've got to get them out. And I would like to think I would have been that. I don't know. And you don't know. I I hope. I just don't know. That's why I don't that's why I don't judge what I tell these history stories. I don't know. I do know this. People in the South depended on it. People in the North hated it. That's a huge generalization, by the way. Don't ever fool yourself. Like 2% of the South owned slaves, and there were racist people all over the North that hated black people, hated them. So we're simplifying things. Missouri. It really, really got ugly in Missouri and Kansas. These are the places where the people were divided amongst themselves. You knew how you felt if you lived in Alabama. You knew how you felt if you lived in Massachusetts. If you're in Missouri, you're divided and neighbor against neighbor divided. Civil War breaks out and... Essentially, Missouri, I'm not going to go into all of it because it's very complicated. We'll, we'll do another show on it one day. Missouri, for lack of a better way to put it, creates two separate governments, and they each think they're legitimate. One is a southern government. One's a northern government. And they're each claiming Missouri for their own. Frank James, he's the older brother of Jesse James, is at this point in time old enough to join, and he joins the southern cause. The James family owned slaves. No need to sugarcoat it. They did throughout his life. There were slave-owning family believed in the slave-owning South. Frank James joins, and eventually he's captured. The southern part of the Missouri government has to kind of get put down. James gets released. Oh, Frank James gets released because he gets measles. No, don't think for a second the Union thought, oh, this poor boy is sick. Let's send him home. It's because they didn't want measles spreading throughout and murdering a bunch of people. And this war is extremely personal, and we have to stop on this for a moment before we understand where the story goes from here. 
Remember, you have the families like the James family who are as Southern and slave-wanting as Southern gets. You have the Union who has sent in troops to Missouri to put down any Southern uprising and enforce the peace. This is the United States of America, and historically speaking, what I'm talking about is not long ago at all. This is less than 200 years ago. Try to imagine for yourself what that would be like if it was you. Forget it for setting aside the causes. Setting aside all that, imagine if you had the United States Army patrolling the city streets everywhere you go, regularly invading your farm. We're going to look around. We're going to do a search. Have you seen any rebels through here? Regularly taking the things they want, either out of flat-out malice from the top because there was so much hostility here, or that's because young soldiers, young guys in the military will do some really rotten things because they're human beings with all the power. You show up on a farm, 10 Union soldiers armed to the teeth, nothing but a little farm family there. If you so desire to grab a chicken for yourself that's not yours, you can do so. You want to try to kiss the young girl in the family? You can probably try to do it. You see what I mean? These little abuses here and there and here and there, and they were rampant. And the occupation of the Union of Missouri, the way the Southerners saw it, they saw it as an occupation, was an ugly one, and there was hatred there. Deep, deep hatred there. And at this point, the Union is trying to figure out how to make sure they're putting down the South, stopping the South, and bringing people they've conquered, for lack of a better way to put it, into the fold. Doing things like forcing Frank James after he was released back home to go down and pledge loyalty to the Union. So, amongst in this environment of seething resentment and hatred, And then Missouri goes full union and their government's there. And you have a large, angry, young male population. A large, angry, young male population trained, meaning they grew up on horseback. They grew up hunting and fishing. They can handle firearms. They know the countryside. The environment was ripe for a guerrilla unit to rise in a guerrilla unit rose. This guerrilla unit, w- unit was called Quantrell's Raiders. They were a southern irregular force. It should be noted, Kansas had a union version of this, a guerrilla force. They were called Jayhawkers. That's where the Kansas Jayhawks get their name from. The Jayhawkers were the union guerrilla version of this. The Quantrell's Raiders were the southern version of this, and, well, that got ugly, too. American made is important to me and 
the American flag is important to me, and I don't apologize for it. It is important for a nation to be proud of itself. A nation that hates itself, a nation ashamed of itself, is not a nation that will be around very much longer. I love Atlantic flag and pole because it's a small family business full of patriots, and their one mission is this. Get an American flag flying in every single yard in America. And they have this incredible Phoenix telescoping flagpole kit. It's American-made aluminum, easy to install, and the flag is on a swivel so it doesn't wrap around your pole. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Go get yourself one. AtlanticFlagpole.com. AtlanticFlagpole.com. Use the discount code JESSE. Gets 10% off. Jesse James gets old enough to join his brother Frank and fight in Quantrell's Raiders. Their leader, his name was William Quantrell, and he was really good at it. I don't have a better way to put it. I understand there are ugly, vicious, war crime, murderous things taking place under Quantrell against Americans, which makes it difficult to hear Quantrell's Raiders in their story and go, woohoo! I mean, they're fighting on the slavery side. We all inherently kind of are all, oh, that's, that's, not, that's not for the best. So already he's at, he's at a disadvantage. And then you find out, eh, war crimes? They attacked Lawrence, Kansas, the city, and killed something like 180 civilians. What had happened was some Confederates had been assaulted and attacked there, and they jailed some of the women. I'll be clear, jail for women was very, very, very uncommon back then. It just was not something that was done. They jailed some of the women that was extremely out of the ordinary, very offensive, and something happened with the jail. They generally don't think the union had anything to do with it, but it collapsed and killed some of the women. Quantrell's dudes lose their minds and murder a bunch of civilians. They stole from civilians. They killed civilians all over the place. They did all the things in irregular army does and Chris asked what I meant when I said irregular army you need to consider a guerrilla force in irregular army depending on how trained they are you can think about them anywhere from a green beret to a Viet Cong to a, a, a tribal warfare people they're going to be smaller they're not going to have bases pretty much ever unless it's a little outpost they're not going to fight traditionally, meaning we're not going to meet on the field of Gettysburg. And let's exchange cannon fire, old chap, and then, and then shove some bayonets into each other. Won't that be fun? No. They're going to do all the little dirty things you're not supposed to do, often illegal things. Things Quantrell would do, like stealing the mail. That was not something that was done. Quantrell did it. Supply convoys, he would ambush Union patrols all over the place. 
And here's the thing about it. Again, that's all the negative stuff. The good stuff is they were fantastic at it. I don't mean just ride up and shoot away. They would do advanced recon, heavy, heavy advanced recon. And young Jesse and Frank James are right here learning all this. Scouting out the route into where they want to attack. Scouting out the various routes outs of where they want to attack. They would separate men off into groups. They would put men in disguise like undercover super agents to go in and figure things out. Come back and report these guys were really, really good at it. Really good at it. The union hated them. Should be noted, the South disowned Quantrell after the whole Lawrence, Kansas thing. That was a little too much. That was some bad press. When you're trying to make yourself look like the the good guy in the war of northern aggression, it generally does not help when one of your guys kills 180 civilians. Not pointing just fingers at Quantrell. Remember I said Jayhawkers were the northern guerrilla version of this. They did the same kind of stuff. Terrible stuff. You've heard of Bleeding Kansas? Yeah. Yeah. But the important thing you want to take away from this is young Jesse James and his older brother Frank grew up educated. They were both readers. Frank was a huge lover of Shakespeare. Grew up loving their mother. Grew up as relatively normal country kids Join up to fight on behalf of the South for what they viewed as their way of life, and they hated the Union, and they joined up under a master at this stuff. There's a lot of stuff about Jesse James that's overblown, like him giving his money back to the poor. What was not overblown was Jesse James was tough as nails, and so was his brother, and so were the younger brothers who also fought with these guerrilla forces during the war. Let's get out of the war. The war's over, and Jesse and Frank and all these guys disperse. They go back home. Jesse is told at this point he has to come down and swear. He's already been shot once already by the Union. He's told he has to come down and swear allegiance to the Union. Like I said, this was something they were making people do. Jesse agrees to do it. He's riding towards the place where he's going to swear in and the Union troops see him and recognize him as being one of Quantrell's raiders. That's a bad thing because, as I said, this is a guerrilla irregular force considered to be illegal. Not the enemy, illegal. War crimes. They see Jesse. He probably had earned quite a reputation but by this point. We know he'd killed several people by now. They pull out their weapons and shoot him in the chest while he's on his way to give his swearing-in ceremony. He takes off, he lives, he recovers, but by now, he's had about enough. By now, he's had enough of the Union, he's had enough of the Union occupation, and he and Frank decide they're going to do something about it. And they start robbing. And when I say they've had enough, I shouldn't gloss over this. You see, the union guys came looking for Frank and Jesse on on their home, or at their home, where Zerelda was, where her sweet husband was. And they began to torture people. And Zerelda 
they broke the arm of Jesse James's mother and then took his stepfather, who he loved, over to a tree, interrogating him where to find the James brothers, and they continually strung him up by his neck on the tree, messed him up for the rest of his life, tortured him until he gave up the information. So when I say angry, I don't mean a little harassment, a couple cat calls at your mother on the way by. How are you feeling if those army troops that occupied your town we talked about earlier, if they knock on your parents' door tonight and break your mom's arm and torture your father? Jesse James didn't just invent this hatred of the Union. There was a lot of it. And I'm not defending the South either. There was plenty of that to go around on their side. But this was a deeply deeply personal fight and that's why civil wars are so angry because it's personal a civil war is angry because not one but both sides have it taking place on their soil in their backyard wars ugly enough when only one side has that when both sides have that it gets extra ugly Jesse, Frank, they begin to rob, and they do the first ever daylight armed robbery of a bank in the world. How about that? In the world. And this was no exception. The rest of their robberies were the same thing. Remember all that training they got under Quantrail? They were really, really good at it. They didn't, they didn't do what you see in the movies. Let's just, let's just put on a handkerchief face mask and ride through the front door waving pistols around. They would use disguises. They would use scouting forces. They would figure out the route out of town. They would figure out when the money drop-offs were. These were men who'd spent years doing this. And they did it really well. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. There is a veteran out there right now hurting. PTSD, maybe mild traumatic brain injury, substance abuse problems, and he needs help. Who's going to help him? Warriors Heart Foundation is finding these veterans and getting them the help they need. And I don't just mean a phone call here. I mean they have a 40-bed, 543-acre ranch where they take people in and get them real help. It's a 501c3. They have peer-to-peer treatments. They have a hotline, and I need you to listen to this, veterans or family or friends of veterans who may be hurting 866-950-0636. There's someone there 24 hours a day. You and I, we need to give. Go to warriorsheart.com slash the first. That's warriorsheart.com slash the first. 
I need to explain something about training. When you serve in the military, if you're especially if you're in one of these units under a capable commander like Jesse and Frank James were and the younger brothers, you learn so many basics that simply keep you alive. And it's not sexy things. It's not things that'll always make the history books. It's not things that even occur to a lot of people. It's, it's things like bedding down for the night after you escape. Everybody doesn't just curl up and go to sleep. You have a fire watch posted at all times to keep your eyes peeled for anybody coming, to keep your ears open. You rotate, things like that. When you have the military training, and especially when you've done the guerrilla warfare stuff like they have, you have a plan for being in town. You've scouted things out. You know that the guy who owns the little candy store across the street keeps a double-barrel shotgun behind his door, and therefore you need to put a gang member in there to make sure he can hold him at gunpoint in order to, to keep him from running across the street and hurting somebody. You just do the extra steps necessary to survive, especially when you come from a guerrilla force and you're used to being outnumbered. They were really good at this. They were absolutely murderers, but really, really tough. Really tough. And when I say murderers, they were, and don't listen to anybody who, I know we like to make movies about Jesse James and I've seen them all too. And we like, he's an outlaw. So it's, it's a, it's a romance thing. I get it. Jesse James shot people in the face at point-blank range when they would not open bank vaults for him. Open the bank vault. No. Boom. You're dead. I understand we're creating, you know, I'm telling you how he got to where he got, and it's understandable by now, but you can't, can't sugarcoat that. They were really good. Jesse James was often the face of the gang, which is how he got so famous. There's really not a huge indication at all that he was the leader. There's no indication he was the leader. He was the face of it, though, because apparently he was so charming, they would send him in as the one to actually speak to the bank teller. That was their general method when robbing banks. They'd have people outside, they'd have people around town, they'd have other people inside, they'd have Jesse walk up, and there you go. Well, this first bank they robbed, Clay County Bank, again, there's your trivia question, Clay County Bank, first armed daylight bank robbery ever, was very successful. They got thousands of dollars, which is huge money back then. And they still are doing things where they they clearly think they're still fighting the war. They do. They just think they're still fighting the war. They go and find out the Union still has a couple of their Confederate buddies in prison, and they go do a jailbreak of their buddies. They just shoot it out with people and bust their friends out of prison. They continue to rob and continue to rob. Now Jesse gets, and this is a big part of why you know the name Jesse James. I mean, you probably would have known it otherwise, but maybe not. There's a newspaper man who was a Confederate who put an editorial out 
singing the praises of this outlaw Jesse James and how gallant and wonderful he was. You can go read it to this day. He's, he's comparing Jesse James to King Arthur's Knights of the Round Table. I'm not joking. When I say a little over the top, I mean very over the top, but that was very appealing at this time to a Missouri, yes, the war is over, but a Missouri that's still very, very divided with very bitter feelings. The Union is trying to work out their exact role in making sure the South is calmed down. They're not calm. The people are bitter and angry. These are tough times, and you have this Southern hero who fought for the Confederacy now continuing the war. Going after the bank of union men, still assassinating, I should mention, union men. These guys were killers. They start robbing trains, too. And, of course, they were really, really good at it. Absurdly good at it. They did this one train robbery. They broke into a place to get the necessary tool to remove the tranks. The, the train spikes that keep the train track down, they then scouted out the train they wanted. They go to a particular area, remove the train spikes, and then tie a rope around the actual track so when the train came around the corner, they could pull the rope from the safety of the woods, and it will pull the track off and it cause the train to derail and then run on, run on the train and rob it. Like I said, these were not idiots. Advanced military men. Think how capable uh, a Green Beret team would be if they war ended, they dispersed into the population and decided we are going to start robbing banks. Think how smart these guys are and how much they've done this stuff and weapons training and discipline. And that's who these guys were. They were just really, really good. But you steal enough money from rich people Eventually, rich people are going to do something about it. Time to make a phone call. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You 
steal from enough rich people, they're going to get angry about it. And the train companies at this point were mega powerful in America. And how powerful? Well, the train companies in the United States of America at this point in history were as powerful as Amazon is today, as powerful as Google is today. You need to think of them in that way. America was expanding west rapidly. They needed something to carry the resources and men out west. The American government knew that. Therefore, they gave all this land to the railroad companies to build to, to lay track across the country. But on top of just the railroad portion, they gave land on either side of it across the country. What happened after that? Well, Obviously, the railroad starts putting up hotels and cities start to grow. And now you've created these monsters of industry. Monsters Jesse James was poking in the ribs. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. The trains get a hold of the Pinkerton Detective Agency. If you're an old West movie guy, you've probably heard of the Pinkertons. Private, not public, private detective agency, powerful people would hire, and they were phenomenal. They took it to a whole new level when the Pinkertons were after you. Lots of the time, it meant you were as good as dead. However... Sometimes you can fail to properly assess who you're facing and what you're facing. You see, the Pinkerton sent a man down to Clay County, Missouri, where the James Farm was and the James Boys were. And understand, at this farm, the James Farm, they used to host Quantrell's Raiders for dinner parties and such. This is... These are down for the struggle people. And Zerelda, you remember the once young girl who had to marry the old mean dude just to survive? This is by now, by all accounts, a hard woman. Hard as nails. Remember, this is the same lady who's had her arm broken by Union soldiers. Been married three times. Her sons are outlaws. She hosts parties for guerrilla units. This lady is as hardcore as hardcore comes, not some dainty butterfly. The Pinkertons are not stupid. They know the James Farm is undoubtedly a place where the James gang comes on occasion. Either just Jesse and Frank or the whole gang. Hide out, resupply, eat some dinner. 
hand out some cash, so on and so forth. The Pinkertons send a man into Clay County, and the man, when looking for the James Farm, is informed by local authorities. Do not go out to the James Farm, and definitely don't go out by yourself. You do not understand these people. The Pinkerton guy says, no, it's okay. I'm going to go out under disguise. They tell him, you don't understand these people. They're going to see through that. It's dangerous. The Pinkerton comes back and says, be serious. I'm a Pinkerton. I'm going. He left for the James farm and was never seen alive again. They don't know how he met his end but it could have been any one of a dozen ways, which is why he was warned, don't go to the James farm. Everybody there will murder you, probably on sight. Now the Pinkertons are furious. Furious. In between this time, it should be mentioned, Jesse got married. Now the story gets a little gross. He got married to his first cousin. Just in case I wasn't clear there. He got married to his first cousin. I, I am, They were a close family, Chris. It was apparently not that abnormal at the time. I, eh, a little gross. They honeymooned down in the area I live in, down in Galveston, Texas. And while on his honeymoon, Jesse goes and robs a stagecoach. Talk about the all-time most understanding new bride in the history of mankind. Honey, I'm going to step out for a few. Just got to grab some things. (laughs) Look, when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. So the Pinkertons are now extremely angry about the death of their agent. This is a proud agency. They also have a reputation to uphold, and they decide they're going to go get the James boys. They ride out with several men for a raid on the James farm. Turns out Jesse and Frank are actually not home at the time, but Jesse's mom, Zerelda, Jesse's stepfather is there, and they're eight or nine. Again, you can't ever get straight information anymore. Eight or nine-year-old stepbrother is in the home, their little brother. The Pinkerton agents surround the home. They throw a smoke bomb into the home. The nine-year-old picks up the smoke bomb, does not know what it is, and throws it into the fireplace. It obviously explodes, injures a couple people, and wounds the eight, nine-year-old boy mortally. I don't want to get graphic because now as a father, I can't talk about this stuff when it comes to kids, especially young boys. But again, The child died the next day, and apparently it was a very long night. You can imagine what a fireplace explosion would do to a nine-year-old boy. Imagine the story that gets back to Jesse and Frank and their gang of killers from mom who's very much alive. How did the Pinkerton agents get there? One of Jesse James's neighbors 
allowed a Pinkerton agent to pose undercover as a farmhand to scout out the farm. He scouts it out, organizes the raid. The raid happens. Jesse's stepbrother dies. Wouldn't you know it, not long after this incident, that neighbor turns up with a bullet in his head and one of the Pinkerton agents turns up with a bullet in his head. Like I said, these were not... It's part of it's part of why they're so admired. These were not incapable men. These were trained killers who often took on law enforcement and won. Jesse's trying to settle down now as much as humanly possible. He is a wanted man. He is nationally known by this time. He has half the newspapers talking about how he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. The other half saying he's the Antichrist. He is moving all over the country, mainly Tennessee, living under assumed names. He's having children. They try to rob the first national bank in Minnesota. What were they doing in Minnesota? It actually wasn't to rob the bank. They found an old union man up there. They hated and were going up there just to kill him. This is 10 years after the war. These guys are salty. Still down for the cause. They ride up there. They want to kill this union guy. They find out the union guy they want to kill actually owns a bank in town. They ride into town, do all their usual scouting stuff, try to rob the bank, and that turned out to not be a good idea. The people in this area were extremely armed, getting a big shootout. Virtually all of them get shot. One of the younger brothers dies. The other two are arrested. The Jameses escape. They take off. Jesse's now very calm, but apparently, I mean, it's calm as far as his robbing days go. He's still robbing, just rarely. But apparently he's getting very paranoid in his old age. He's suspecting gang members of betraying him because everybody wants him dead. The reward for him is absurd by now. Nevertheless, he agrees to take on the Ford brothers, two Fords. Take them on under his wing as part of his gang. Little does Jesse know, Robert Ford had already been arrested and charged by the state with crimes. He didn't want to serve that time, and illegally, very much illegally, the governor of the state cuts a deal with Robert Ford and says, Go get Jesse James for me, and I will pardon you for your crimes. Jesse James has the Ford brothers over to his home. Jesse's family is there at his home at this time, including Jesse's children. He gets up to fix a painting that was out of whack on the wall, at which point Robert Ford pulls out a weapon and shoots Jesse James behind his ear killing him instantly. Jesse's child runs out and sees him. Hang on. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com Gold is necessary.
It is necessary to have some diversity in your portfolio. Look at what is happening. Look at this insanity. And I have news for you. If you think the bad, bad news out there financially is going to stop miraculously for whatever reason in November, think again. We're in a vicious cycle right now, and at some point there's going to be a market correction. There simply has to be. So don't have all your money in stocks and bonds. Get a gold IRA. Get one with Gold Alliance. Gold Alliance has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. A-plus. That's difficult to acquire. They're going to take care of you. They're going to take care of your money. Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. That can get you up to $5,000 in free gold and silver coins. Goldalliance.com slash jesse. Times change. If you don't change with them, does that mean you're wrong? It's it's easy to label Jesse James as being wrong about everything, again, because he fought for the South. And while you can have a million and one disagreements about the Civil War. You know I geek out on it, and I don't demonize everybody in the South. I think that's stupid, and I don't I don't lionize everybody in the North. That's stupid. That's a way oversimplification. In general, we can understand, though, that slavery is really bad, and the South was fighting for that. And so, you know, it's hard to, to paint a, a rosy picture on his life, but... He was fighting for what he believed in for a long, long time. And his entire life, he grew up with a certain way of living, a certain value system. And then all around him, that changed and he didn't. Is that wrong? I ask this because I'm looking at the news right now. I'm looking at everything that's happening in this country with this black supremacist movement. There's a video out now. Maybe I'll put it up on the Twitter page. I don't know. It's pretty ugly of a a white dude in Baltimore. Black guy runs up behind him, smashes a brick over his head. It's an older man, smashes a brick over his head. Uh, Dude is out cold. I don't know if he's still alive, so I'm not not sure if we're going to put the video up. He's going to be in very bad shape if he's still alive, as you can imagine. I'm looking at a headline. AutoZone stabbing suspect. He's a black dude. I felt the need to find a white male to kill. Let me be frank. We have an absolute pandemic of racially-based violent crimes in this country of black people attacking white people. We do. There are nine billion stories of it. It's everywhere right now. We are telling 
angry young black men that white people are the enemy and just like a white supremacist movement we are radicalizing young violent idiots it's no different the black supremacist movement we see today and that's what it is is no different than the white supremacist movement was in its heyday it's led by a bunch of opportunist charlatans who get a bunch of utter morons on their side to support them It's backed by popular culture. Every single celebrity, corporation, Democratic Party, they all support this Black Lives Matter movement. The movements are identical. We have a pandemic, and we will never address it because, well, then we still have to start saying uncomfortable things. Then we can't push this absurd white guilt out there we have. We're making America's racial tensions worse by not discussing reality ever, and it's killing us. The reality is this right now. 99% of black Americans and white Americans live perfectly fine together. And yet the media is driving those numbers down. The Democratic Party is driving those numbers down by not acknowledging simple truths and, in fact, by acting as if the things they're doing are the things the other side is guilty of. And I do see society as a whole changing, and I don't know what I'm going to do in this new society. And it's not slowing down, people. I just, I just saw a headline, the NFL. Now thinking about letting its players put the names of victims of police violence on their uniform. We had Drew Brees the other day put the name of Jacob Blake, that black dude shot in Wisconsin, on his helmet. Jacob Blake was a serial sex offender. His victim, her own aunt, came out today and said, I hope they lock him up for life for what he did. This is the man we're championing now over white guilt and black supremacy? Where? What is happening? And I'm sorry, I'm not joining with that. I'm not joining your white supremacist movement. I'm not joining your black supremacist movement. I think you're all a bunch of scumbags. I think you're all a bunch of violent, power-hungry scumbags is what I think. I think it has no place in this country. And yet... Popular culture has accepted this as normal. This is not slowing down. The people in general are waking up and they're horrified by the violence across these cities. That's why Biden's poll numbers are free falling. That's why Biden's changing his tune. We'll get to that in a minute. But this white guilt, black supremacist thing has been cemented in the minds of so much of the American public because our education system is lost. These people are learning this. I talked to parents of teenagers in my own neighborhood, a bunch of middle-class Republicans sending their kids to a good school, and their teenagers think America is a racist place and that white people should pay reparations. Headline, college director, every white person in this country is racist. That's Pacific University in Oregon. 
Your kids are learning these things in school. It is fueling the fire of a black supremacist movement that is killing people in the United States of America. And people won't even talk about it. I'm going to have complaints to the radio show because of this. I know I am. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com is the email. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. 877-377-4373. We have to stop doing this. Because what you're doing is you're sending a message. You want to talk about Jesse James and being formed into a violent young man early? What message are we sending to young black males in these urban environments that are crime-ridden and crappy if we tell them at every single turn, white people are the enemy, white people are the enemy, white people are the enemy. We are making them this way by this culture. Again, cultures determine where people go. In our culture, we have somehow decided that we are racially divided, that white people hate black people, and that that is just evil, and that black people have a license to do whatever they want to white people because of, uh, well, uh, uh, slavery. No. Why aren't we preaching messages about who cares about your skin color? It's not important. We have got to stop this. We've got to stop it now. If it doesn't stop now, it's only going to get worse. I'm not trying to bring you down. I'm not. But this only gets worse. You only stop this rampant street violence when either A, The culture decides they don't want it anymore, and I'm talking about media, educators, political parties. That's one way to stop it. The other way to stop it, well, you don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that, but it's ugly. It's violent. It's bloody. It's terrible, and that's the last thing I want to see. And the problem is there's not a third way to stop it. When you have violent street street criminals like this, it ends ugly unless you commit yourself. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.